This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Well, happy July 4th weekend. It uh, seemed odd to me this uh, this weekend not to to celebrate uh, at the park with with the fireworks, but then I recognized that here in Alaska you can't see them anyway. So you know it wasn't that much of a of a disappointment. But you know this is uh, the weekend that we set aside to celebrate uh, the birth of our nation, uh, to celebrate um, all that that entails to. Uh, really, as a as a people, uh, recognize um, the sacrifices of the founders and those who followed as they fashioned uh, this great nation, uh, the United States of America. And as we each week come, we we enjoy uh, freedom, don't we? We enjoy the freedom to worship, uh, to gather together, uh, to praise God. That's one of many many freedoms, but. Uh, it's one that we should never, ever uh, take for granted, uh, that we can have a full and robust worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm reminded of the days when Lori and I would go to Romania for short-term mission trips, and uh, we went 12 times, and we were able to meet people who really suffered under the oppression uh, of communism, uh, there was a, a brutal, brutal dictator named uh, Ceausescu. Maybe you're familiar with him, and uh, he suppressed really um, the free worship of God, especially uh, those who would identify themselves as born again as Protestants. Um, they worshipped at their own peril, and and those uh, believing communities often met in secret. And they were dependent upon one another in every way because at any time a member of the secret police called the Securitate uh, could be present. Uh, Literally, the rooms that they were meeting in could be bugged. And uh, there were many uh, of their family members and associates uh, who went off to prison, uh, who were tortured and even worse. And uh, we remember meeting some of these people, uh, people who worshiped Christ in the midst of very, very severe uh, persecution. Um, One of them was a young man who founded the ministry that we worked with. Uh, Prior to the fall of communism, both he and his father were were smuggling Bibles into Romania. Uh, And uh, they were just about to be caught, (laughs) Uh, but then the fall came at Christmas time of 1989, and uh, they were spared. But it's interesting, he had such a commitment. He was a brilliant young man, self-taught, and uh, he was hand-picked by the government uh, to really go far. And he was offered the opportunity to go to college to receive the best education that was available in Romania to a young person, but there was one stipulation. They came to him and they said... Your future is bright, it's wonderful, but in order to 
to have that future, we want you to, to lead uh, the young person's party, the communist party for, for, for young people at the university. And in order to do that, you must renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. Imagine. His response was, no. I'm not going to do that. And they said, you know what this means, don't you? It means that you'll never do more than manual labor. Uh, You'll barely be able to put bread on the table for your family. And that you are going to spend uh, the rest of your life persecuted or worse for rejecting this opportunity, this offer. And his answer was still, no. Okay? And so think about that. We as Americans in our nation, as we celebrate and enjoy the freedom to gather, the freedom to worship, what it would be like to live in a nation where there was such oppression that in order to worship Christ and proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that you would do so at your own peril. You would do so at risk of losing your future and the opportunities that were offered to you. Um, Lori and I, we, we felt honored to associate with people like that as we worked there doing um, mission work. And it was really um, an amazing thing. There is a cemetery in Bucharest. It's called the Martyrs Cemetery. And in the Martyrs Cemetery in Bucharest, Romania, there are people buried who had rose up against the communist dictator in the revolution against communism. And there were religious leaders buried there. There were university students buried there, academics, uh, professors buried there, Uh, journalists, members of the media buried there, all those who had rose up, right, against the oppressive communist government. Uh, They were buried there, and it's much like Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, There are guards there, and it's a sacred, howled place uh, to the Romanians as it represents those who died for freedom. And I'll never forget, as we walked along the the headstones there in the Martyr Cemetery, uh, there was one headstone, and in the headstones they they have, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a lithograph picture of the person that's actually on the headstone. And it was a, a young Romanian college student. And he was up in their flat or their apartment while the revolution was going on down in the streets. Um... And the last words he said as he went down to join in the revolution, um, the fight for freedom, and it's, it's written into his headstone. It says, How can I stay in the house when people are dying in the streets? How can I stay in the house when, when people are dying in the streets? And of course, he went and he gave his life. And so it's interesting, as we walked along and as we read the epitaphs that are in these headstones, it, it read like something that we would be familiar with that the founding fathers would have written about freedom and, and, and the willingness to die and surrender all for the sake of freedom. I mean, it was very inspiring. Okay? And so we as Americans, uh, we can, by virtue of our birthright, can take for granted uh, the freedoms that, that we have, especially the freedom to worship, the freedom of our, of our faith, of religion. Now, this morning, 
in the Scripture, there's a passage that I want to read to you. It comes from uh, John chapter 8, and uh, Jesus is addressing uh, Jewish people and Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, and uh, this follows and is a part of uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles, in which Jesus has already told them that he's the light of the world, right? The light of life. Um, and all that taking place as he stood under the lamps that would have been lit at the feast that has, was said that could be seen. All of Jerusalem was lit up, up. It had been lighted up. And it could be seen from miles away. And imagine Jesus in the midst of this dialogue uh, standing beneath those those lamps that were that were lit and radiating, saying that I am the light of the world, right? And the dialogue continued, and there were those who were challenging him, and uh, there were some who believed in him. But in John chapter eight, beginning in verse thirty-one, um, there is a dispute over whose children uh, the uh, followers of Judaism really are. And they're arguing, or about to argue. And in verse 31, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? Now, if you were a, um, a Jew in Jerusalem and you were hearing Jesus say this, you would say, wait a minute, we are free by virtue of being sons of Abraham. We have a special status with God in relationship to Him, and that in that, we are free as children of Abraham. What are you talking about? And so they were receiving that and taking that as an affront to, if you will, national Judaism, uh, their birthright, what they understood to be their heritage, uh, the father of their faith, Abraham. Right? That's, that's what's going on here. And uh, it, it would be much the same way um, as somebody maybe who lives in the United States of America that uh, was brought up maybe in a Christian home Maybe they didn't profess faith in Christ themselves, but believed by virtue of being an American and believing that America uh, was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, that they had a special status with God. Okay? It's going to be like the same kind of nationalism. And here, they're going to respond to Jesus. And they answered him and they said, We are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? In other words, we have no need to be set free. We're already free. See, they're seeing themselves and their freedom as coming through a relationship with God as a result of being descendants of Abraham. That's what's going on here. But Jesus is talking about something else. Now, yes, the Jewish people in their history to this point they had been subjected uh, to oppression of, of states, uh, Egypt, um, Assyria, uh, Babylonians, um, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Romans. 
But although they had been occupied and had been taken into, if you will, slavery, that was just a physical condition. Spiritually, as sons, as children of Abraham, they believed that they were free people, that they were never slaves to anyone. Okay? That's what's going on. And Jesus is going to clarify for them in verse 34. He says, Verily, truly, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Ah, okay. So we're talking about not the oppression or the slavery of an occupying government, but we're talking about what? The oppression of sin. The slavery of sin that oppresses the human spirit and heart. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And so what Jesus is telling them is, Yes, you are sons of Abraham, but in that freedom... You are neglecting the most important thing, your spiritual condition. And the truth is that even as sons of Abraham, you need forgiveness of sin. You need redemption. Um, You can't rest on the fact uh, that uh, you are a Jew, that as Jews you claim that your father, Abraham that lineage, that birthright, and by virtue of that, you're standing in God, that you are free. No, in fact, you're not. You are still slaves to sin. You're slaves to sin. And if you listen to me, if you hear my teaching, right? If you follow that teaching, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, it's interesting Jesus later on in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And that nobody comes to the Father but by me. And so the truth is this. It was true as Jesus was talking um, to those Jewish people who had gathered, to the religious leaders who were challenging him, as it is true to us today that we apart from Christ, are slaves to sin. And as slaves to sin, we are oppressed by sin. The Bible tells us that the penalty of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. We as Americans celebrate our independence. And you know that celebration of independence often works its way in to our spiritual lives. Do you know that? that we're independent to, to live our lives and, and to pursue God as, as we understand in, in a way that, that uh, we preserve our, our individualism. But here's the danger in that. Uh, we can pursue God on the basis of our understanding of uh, what it means to be free and, and an independent people. But unless we're pursuing God through the truth of His Word, through the teachings of Jesus Christ, we still are subject to the slavery of sin. 
And so while as Americans we declare our independence, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to obey His teaching. We want to be truly His followers, His disciples. And in doing that, we experience truth. Jesus Himself is the embodiment of truth. And we enter into relationship with the one who is the truth. And in that relationship, we are set free from the slavery of sin and its penalty, which is spiritual death, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And so as followers of Jesus, we need to renounce our independence when it comes to spiritual things. Following God the way we think it's, it's right and good. And we need to come to Him in a spirit of dependence. And, and so what I'm encouraging us on this July 4th weekend is to declare our declaration of dependence in the teaching and the words of Jesus Christ that we would renounce our desire, our rebellious nature to, to live life apart from Him and, and to construct a pseudo-faith that suits our independent likings and desires. That we as followers of Jesus would declare our dependence upon Him. On Christ the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Now, I've never been put in a position where my future has been dangled in front of me based on a, on a decision whether or not I'm going to renounce Jesus Christ. But here's the question I want to ask each of us this morning. In the way that we're living our lives, in the, in the way that we engage one another relationally, in the way that we uh, engage the world that we live in, are we, without knowing it, by our actions, subtly renouncing faith in Jesus Christ? By our refusal to follow His teaching and His Word? Are we declaring ourselves independent of God and Jesus Christ? Or are we affirming our faith and are we standing on the teachings of Christ? Are we following Him Have we asked Him into our heart to be the Lord of our lives? Declaring our dependence upon Him for salvation, for eternal life, and for new life. Uh, This morning we celebrated the sacrament of of baptism. And in a moment we're going to celebrate the sacrament of communion. But before we come to communion, I I want to ask you this question. Is there an area of your life in which you have declared your independence from God. You're living separately from Him. You're not following the teachings of Jesus. You're you're not giving Jesus the full reign of your heart and your life in that area. Today, I believe that the Lord wants to call us to declare our dependence on Him, to renounce those areas where we have drifted or strayed away. And to step into a right and whole relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
For some of us, it's a call to repent. It's to turn from from an attitude or action or something we're doing. For others of us, it may be for the very first time to say, yes, I want to declare my dependence on Christ. I want to follow Him. I want to be His disciple. I want His teachings to be the foundation of of my life. I want His Holy Spirit to dwell in me and to live in me, to give me a life that I can't have otherwise. Whatever it is that's going on in your heart and your life today, is there anything that's keeping you from saying, I am wholly and totally dependent on Jesus Christ? Today is your opportunity to declare your declaration of dependence, not independence. To enter in fully into that rich and life-giving relationship that can only be had when one is dependent on their Savior. So right now what I'd like to do is just call us to a moment of reflection, to think and to, to say, Lord, examine our hearts. If there's any unclean way, if there's, if there's any place in my life that I am independent of you, Lord, I, I turn from that, I repent of that, I turn back to you, I give you that place back. I want you to reign totally and completely in my life. Perhaps for some of us, we, we just need to get up and go back to the, to the prayer corner and, and have someone pray with us. Maybe you pray right where you are with your seat, at your seat. But this morning, I believe that the Lord is calling us back to declare our dependence on Christ alone as our source of life. Just take this moment. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, examine our hearts. Open our ears and our hearts to hear what you want to say to us. And then, Lord, give us the courage to respond boldly by declaring our dependence. Let's do that in the next few moments.
where sun runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you my one defense my righteousness oh God how I song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay Lord I need you Lord I need you before he went to the cross to die for you and me that we might have forgiveness of sins and eternal life and in new life in him resurrection life that he he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying this is my body which is broken it's given to you whenever you eat this eat this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he poured it out and said, this is a cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Whenever you drink this, drink this in remembrance of me. So that whenever we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we declare Christ's death until he comes again. And he is coming again. And we are one day closer today to his return than we were yesterday. This table is an open table. What I mean by that is anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ 
is welcome to share the Lord's Supper with us this morning. I would ask that as you come forward that you would you would take the cracker and as you're ready, go ahead and, and you can eat that. But hold on to the cup and uh, we'll take that together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reminder this morning of how dependent we are upon you. And Father, as we come to communion, we declare, Lord, our declaration of dependence on the body and blood of Jesus Christ, on his sacrifice for us, that we might have forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and new resurrection life to follow him with all of our hearts. Lord, as we come to the table today, may we declare our dependence on him. May our hearts sing out the refrain of the song that we just shared together. Lord, I need you. Oh, how I need you. And Lord, in that declaration of dependence, may we meet you in new and fresh ways. We pray this and we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Please come as you're ready.